I'm in the middle of a series called Give It Time. My belief is that it's probably not the devil that's the issue. He's been defeated. Definitely it's probably not your spouse, although it could be. <laughs> I think the issue's time. It has come to my belief that a lot of believers in Jesus do not know how to handle time. And it frustrates us, irritates us. And one thing I know about time, it will identify the type Christian you really are. It will expose everything in you. You won't be able to hide from it. Let's jump in. Here's what Ryan read. Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. and My just claim, look at this, has been passed over by God. I don't know if you've ever felt passed over, given God a claim, Lord, I need this, I need you to do it, and then nothing. If you've ever been to a place you've been passed over, maybe feel like God's not answering the prayer you need him to answer. God's not doing for you what you need him to do, be done, especially in relationship to time. Here's what he goes on to say, verse 28. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength, even the youth. The Utes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I immediately went to the Utes. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall be exhausted. Here's something I know about time. Give it long enough, wait long enough, and people get exhausted. Yeah. It's one thing to start well, but people often don't finish well. Whether that be marriage, a diet. Anybody ever started a diet? You started well? Monday. Tuesday you fell off the bandwagon, you get exhausted. I find that most people don't know how to handle time and when we don't know how to handle time we get exhausted. When we get exhausted we get frustrated and when we get frustrated we lose our faith in our Christianity and end up doing a lot of apologizing rather than living the way we need to live. Here's the thought. When you're pressed by time, meaning the watch is ticking, Here's what I've noticed in 30 plus years of pastoring people. Your opinions and your thoughts and your emotions get involved when you're pressed by time. Here's some opinions I've ran through. When people don't get what they want in time, God's mad at me. God doesn't care. My suffering must be his will. Maybe God didn't answer my prayer. Or maybe God doesn't even exist at all. You just give people a long enough space of time to wait and we'll come up with all kind of reasons of why you're having to wait. Here's the emotions we run through when we're waiting. We feel guilty. What's wrong with me? Why won't God answer my prayer? Am I not, am I not good enough? Does he not care about me? Does he not love me? How have I failed him? Then we get frustrated. Well, I'm praying, but nothing's happening. And then I get anxiety. I start going, well, where are you? Oh, God, I get into all my emotions. I start getting into my feels. I get all the feels going on. Anxiety's kicking up, fear kicks in. And then when it winds itself even longer, I can get angry. I can get angry at God. I can get angry at myself. I can get angry at the Bible that it doesn't work like the preacher told me it would work. And then the ultimate is I just get into a funk. I don't really even care anymore. We cop attitudes. It is what it is. I, I'm just learned to deal with it. I, I've, I've asked God, nothing's happened. I've just learned to deal with it. But I know this about waiting and I know this about time. It will eliminate 
every bit of option in you if you're not careful to pull God out of your equation and put you into the equation to where your opinions and your emotions shipwreck yourself. And yet we claim Christ in me is better than the world, but you look at us and we're like, oh, that may be true, but when it's coming down on me, when the clock is ticking, it's a hard way to live. What I want to do today is I want to teach us how to wait. Now, the thing I try to do is I try to, this is just, I don't know if you call it a philosophy of life, but I try to common denominator everything, lowest common denominator. I try to simplify it down to understand it and make sense of it. So my question would be, could I go from Chris all the way around to the other end of the room, come all the way to the other side, three, uh, what, 180 degrees, and could I find a way that we're required to all wait the same way? Or is it just kind of case or It's different for everybody. Take your personality into account. And then it becomes weird. What does it mean for Elevenson to wait? What does it mean for Jorge to wait? What does it mean for me to wait? So that we just kind of juggle. I don't really know, but I guess I'm just waiting. And my thing is, is there a way that God wants you and I to wait that would be a description of our faith so that we can overcome? Here's what the scripture will go on to say. Verse 31. Don't just get hung up in the blue word exhausted. Verse 31. But they who do what? They who wait shall renew their strength. I don't even like that. There's nothing in me that feels like when I'm waiting, I'm getting stronger. I feel like when I'm waiting, I'm getting weaker. I'm getting worse. I'm questioning myself. And then it says they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run. And then this phrase, not be weary. When I read this, it makes me try to understand they must know something I don't know because when I'm on the clock, I need it to happen. That might be a marriage issue. It might be a health issue. The doctor's giving me six months. It might be a bill. My bill comes due on Monday. It might be something going on in my marriage, and I'm kind of, oh, God, you got to fix this. It's, I find most Christians don't do well being renewed, strengthened, and not weary when they're waiting a long time. If you've conquered it, it's a wonderful thing. But it takes great maturity to conquer the clock. Because it screams at us in the middle. So I want to teach you today, I think I figured it out. Like I've pondered this a long time. What is it, how do I do this? Because I, I often feel like I'm flunking. But then I go, all right, I've got to figure this out. So I want to teach you today what I think I figured out. I hope it blesses you. Let's jump into it. Living renewed, strong, powerful, living that way and increasing seems implausible to me when I'm often exhausted in the waiting game. However, it might seem implausible, but my belief is it's not impossible. Anybody ever seen this thing? It's the most god-awful, irritating, demonic thing on planet Earth. It shows up right when you're in a hurry. It shows up when you need to Google. It shows up when you need an answer to something, and it just spins. I don't even know what it's called. I call it spinny thing from hell. I don't know. They call it the rainbow wheel. I don't know what it is. I just know that there is a great gift connected to this thing that it's irritating. Often my dad will call me and say, I need you to... 
Uh, I, got the, I got my computers jabbed up. I, I said, like, Dad, you're calling the wrong person. I, I cannot. I've, I've rebuked it. I've cast it out. I know nothing. I always say, call Ryan. Ryan can fix it. But I know something about it. I guarantee you. This, I'm just going to go on a long shot. I guarantee you when you see that, your first thought isn't, well, praise the Lord. God, I was waiting on this. I needed this today. I needed a moment just to slow down and pray in tongues. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it might end there, but it, it definitely doesn't start there. I'm thinking, dear God, Wi-Fi, Xfinity, curse them in Jesus' name. I said, what's wrong? And then I start going through my phone, figuring out in my own data. Am I not on data? Am I on Wi-Fi? Not on Wi-Fi? I want to teach you how to handle this in a godly way when time is ticking. Here we go. Is there a biblical way to wait? Or, and this is a good thought, is it just mere perseverance hoping I don't lose my sanity while I'm waiting? Now when we talk about waiting, we're going to talk about the watch. It's what we're bound to. I'm bound to wait. When, when do I graduate? Well, I graduate in four years. Oh, when, is the, when is the cake going to be done? Oh, 45 minutes. Like that's just life. All of life is on a clock. So I know this about life. It's driven by time and we're trying to hold on until we run out of time. Now we might test it. We might open the oven a thousand times with Robin screaming, leave the oven closed. I just want to check on it. Leave it closed. It doesn't. So that can be part of our personality. Some of us don't do well waiting. We're constantly opening the oven, checking, sticking the fork in, checking. Others are just like direction said 45 minutes, leave it 45 minutes. Sometimes you get a phone call from your wife, the pound cake fell because you opened it too soon. And you're like, okay. So I want to figure out, is there a way that I can wait that is biblical rather than just me trying to endure and not lose my sanity while I'm waiting? Because here's what happens when you wait too long. It's frustrating. I can guarantee you when time is not in your favor, you get frustrated. And however that frustration plays out, whether you're in a hurry to work and you're going to be late because of the wreck, whether you've got something you've got to be at, you're going to be late, whether you're expecting a package and it keeps saying it was delivered and you're like, they're dad blame lying. It's not delivered. I'm on the front porch right now. And they're like, we just dropped your package off. I'm like, you little liar. You didn't drop it off. You just don't want to get in trouble because it's not even on the front porch. And then they say, we left the package by. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Because when it doesn't, hey, man, because... Because when it's not where I need it to be in the time I need it to be, I'm frustrated. My wife, wonderful woman of God, literally like Jesus, Holy Spirit, Robin, like right there. But you let her be expecting an Amazon package <laughs> that has a dress she's expecting for an event and it not show up. And she tells me, she says, you're just going to have to pray for me. I'm like, oh God, why? Why do I need to pray for you? Because they said that the package would be here by Wednesday, and you know what? I said, no, I, don't, I have no clue what. What? What? Because i got to pay attention. She's a woman. If I don't, you don't get sex. You just have to listen. So what do you want? Okay, oh, yes, I'm listening. I'm listening. 
go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and she just lit me, just string. I don't know why they told me it was there. It's not even, do you know what? It's not even in stock. Why would they, why would they sell it to me? It's not even in stock. It's not even in stock. It's still on the boat. It's not even shipped yet. I'm like, oh. And it's amazing how quick Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Robin can go to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, kin to the devil. I mean, just like off, off an Amazon package. I'm like, oh, honey, settle down. It's okay. But it gets frustrating. Because when I'm on the clock, here's what I know. You better know it's going to challenge who you really are on the inside. The clock will challenge your faith every time. Why God lets me pastor, I don't know. I'm going to share with you a story and you might agree. (laughs) Friday night we go to a ball game. Why? Because it's what I've been doing 21 years of my life. Go to a ball game, watch my daughter cheer, freezing cold. And I'm cold at 87. So 87 degrees, I'm cold. So it's 50-something, I'm dying. People are giving me hand warmers, and I'm like, oh, God. Game's over. Everybody goes to Waffle House, which I'm good with. I normally go to Waffle House, but the game went longer. And so it's nearly midnight. We're driving home. I put the GPS in, and I'm turning to get on I-20 to go home because we were Alexander. I get on I-20, and right when I turn off post road to get on I-20, Google Maps says, there's a wreck ahead, delay 20. I'm thinking, why didn't you tell me before I got on the dad blame interstate? Now, I wouldn't say that because I don't want the people in the car to think I'm ungodly. It's just a conversation between me and the devil in my head on how much I hate Google Maps because they're always about 10 seconds behind the turn I needed. And then this long red line stretched out that just says, get ready because we're going to test everything. And this little emblem of a wrecked car. I don't even know who wrecked, but I'm already thinking people can't even drive. Got four dad blame lanes. You can't even drive? Dear God, just get in the lane. So now I'm, I'm, I don't even know if the person's wrecked, but I'm mad at them. I'm like, gosh, I can't believe long. And then, it, and then to help you be spiritual... It tells you how long you're going to be irritated. 17 minutes worth of irritation. God. Then not only do I have my own internal, I hate Google, people can't drive. i got to go to Waffle House, I'm hungry. I have girls in the car who have to encourage me. Dad, just calm down. <sighs> oh, I'm calm. Because I'm thinking, calm, I'll show you calm, you can walk home. You all just be glad you're in the car. Like, I, I don't say that because I, I, I'm, I'm smart enough and mature enough to hold it all in, but there's a little person up there that's just... <laughs> and so finally we get through, we got to go, we're headed toward Waffle House. And then my daughter, I won't, I won't say her name, Stella, I won't call her. <laughs> she sends a text to her mother, y'all have my book bag? Yes, we have your book bag. My keys are in the book bag. God, stupid children. Give them a car, they can't even keep her keys with them. Doesn't she know that if she gives me the book bag with the keys, she's not going to be able to drive the car? So now Robin, honey, just calm down. We're going to the high school. I want to go to the high school. I want to go to Waffle House. We got to go drop Stella's keys off. Mom's just as calm as about, honey, don't worry. 
We're on the way. So now I got to go this way, all out of the way, and pretend to be happy. Because you can't be mad as a dad. You have to be happy or you could trigger a child. And you don't want the child triggered on Dr. Phil going, I was doing good that my daddy wouldn't bring me the keys. And then I just felt so, my, my God, I, I didn't want to bring her the keys. But I triggered her. And now she's turned out to be some, some killer on TV. And now I'm like, oh, it's my fault. So now I just know, just be calm. Just, so I pull up and just fake it. Hey, honey. Forgot your kid. Here they are. Your daddy loves you. No, it's okay. I wanted to drive 42 minutes out of the way. I was literally in the car thinking, what do I want to do? And I thought, I just want to go way out of my way. Burn a lot of gas and a lot of time because I'm starving. But I felt like rather than starving, I could fast. So I just counted this as a fast in the Lord. You know what, honey? Because you lost your keys and forgot them because you're a little dumb. I mean... Daddy got closer to God. Thank you. Like that's literally all that's going on. So then we get her the keys and now we get to go to Waffle House. So this is a Friday night thing. We hang out at Waffle House and with 800 other people. We pull up. It's like 12.15. I'm like, honey, listen. I'm just tired. I'm going to go home. Then she, who's spirit-filled Robin, right there, Jesus, Holy Ghost Robin, I don't know, fellas, you ever just had a woman look at you and agree, but her eyes didn't? It was just like, I said, I just want, I just want to go home. I'm tired. Then anytime, fellas, anytime you see this before, you get a, just buckle up. Because she, well, okay then, just go. She quietly closed the door, but I could feel her energy <laughs> leaving. And which I thought when she shut the door, well, I will go. I went home. I got out because I had a lot to do. I've got to do my Bible study at night. I've got to make coffee at night. I, um, I do my journaling at night. So now it's about 1230. I still need to journal, still need to make the coffee, still need to read my Bible. Probably be in bed about 1 o'clock, let them do their thing. So I get there, I'm making my coffee, do the journal, read my Bible. It's just me in the house and the dogs. Not my dogs, just dogs. Dogs that have been purchased by other people in my home against my will. I'm like, we don't need a dog. We do need a dog. We need to bond. We don't need to bond. But we have dogs, lots of them. It's like a kennel. And so they're all at Waffle House, so I'm taking care of the kennel. So I'm petting this one that goes under my legs, and this one's jumping on the counter. So I, I just thought, okay, tired. I put them outside. I let them go. They go outside. I'm going somewhere with this story, by the way. I'm going I'm, I'm to teach you what this word frustration looks like in practicality. So I get the coffee, I've done the journal, I'm about to go to bed, I let the dogs in, and the German shepherd, who's pretty smart, he comes in with it, but he can't close his mouth. So he's like, <laughs> I'm like, that's weird. And he just goes by me like. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't even look normal. So I follow him around the house, and he won't stay. He just keeps. <laughs> and I go, I finally catch him. And I'm like, dude, Samson, what's up? <laughs> and he's foaming at the mouth. And he can't close his mouth. 
And then he throw, falls down on the ground and starts just pawing his paws in his mouth. Well, I'm freaking now. I go into God gave me a gift of panic mode. It's not even my dog. That shows you what kind of shepherd. I am such compassion that I care about a dying animal that's not even mine. Because I should be thinking she shouldn't have ever bought the dog and I wouldn't be doing this at 1 in the morning. Because now it's 1.10 in the morning. I'm supposed to be in bed. They're all at, when I say they, dog owners. Dog owners, <laughs> Waffle House, kennel man who wants to go to bed. <laughs> dog is, <coughs> and I'm like, oh my God, the dog's dying. I don't want the dog to die on my watch because the kids will never talk to me again. How could you let our dog die? I don't know. I'm not a vet. I just, the dog's vomiting on the floor. So I get down and do the whole just, I just shoved my hand in his mouth. I just did trying to figure. Maybe he's choking on a stick. Nothing. He's vomiting. So I do what any good father would do. Call Robin. She's going to answer because she has her phone all the time. Talking to the kids. So I call her. My God, woman, answer. She won't answer. Don't fear. I have more family members at Waffle House. All right, call the dog owner. Dog owner, tell her her dog's dying. Oh my, they won't answer. I now, not only am I mad at the dude that wrecked on I-20, never met him, still mad at him. I'm still mad at the little 17 minutes. I'm still mad I had to go take care of a 17-year-old that should know how to handle their keys. And now I should be able to go to bed and enjoy a nice peace. No, I can't be peaceful because a dog's dying that I didn't want to buy. Serves them right. You reap what you sow. But no, I can't go there. I have to be spiritual. I have to be compassionate. So I call the dog owner. She won't answer. Now frustration is rising because I think, how could we pay $357 a month for Verizon and y'all can't even answer your phone. So I'll call the one who I know will answer the one that forgot the keys because I know she'll answer because she's snapping all the time. So she's going to have to see dad sent me a text. No, none of them. Now I don't like any of my family. I'm like, I don't, God, why did I marry her? Jesus, she can't even answer a phone. Reason they don't even answer their phone, they're girls. My God, you could get a boy. So I do what you do. If you don't know how, how it goes, you're in trouble. You call Jennifer Rothwell. So I'm like, all right, there goes my daughter. See, she's leaving. She's mad now. She's like, I told you, Bob, but he made fun of me. So now I call Jennifer. I'm like, all right, Jennifer Rothwell. So I call Jennifer. Jennifer, who runs the kids' ministry, shows you how wonderful she is. Pastor Mark? Jennifer, my dog's dying. I got to know where to take a dog. Literally, that's what I said. My dog's dying. I need to know where to take the dog because nobody answered the phone. She said, just go to Thornton Road. There's a 24-hour 7 bed. I said, thank you. I load up the dog. Dogs <coughs> in the back seat of my truck, which is fairly new. Now there's dog snot, dog spit, dog hair. He's digging in his mouth. <coughs> I can't get anybody. I'm running 90 down I-20, running red lights, probably going to go to hell because the dog is dying. Guess what? Fellas, if you ever want to get married, note this. In comes the text from the wife. What's going on? I need information. I'm like, I'm not giving you a dabbling bit of information. 
should have answered the phone. I ignored her. I ghosted her. I'm like, no, you'll never know if the dog is dying because I'm not calling you back because I'm not godly right now. I'm on I-20 doing 90 because you left me with the dog. This is literally true. I'm not lying. I don't know why I passed her. Like, I don't think I'm high up on the list of qualified people because I'm thinking I'm a godly man. I'm compassionate. Dog's dying. But as soon as, and then everybody's texting in the group, oh God, the dog, is the dog dying? I don't know if the dog's dying. I pull up. I come squealing in. I get there. Victoria K. to chase me down in Stella's car. How they found the keys, I don't know. <laughs> she pops out. I open the door like the dog's dying. The dog's dying. Dog jumps out. It's, this is God on his truth. As soon as the dog jumped out, perfectly fine. I just spent 45 dabbling minutes. I'm going to kill this dog. <laughs> if this dog's owner was not here right now, I'd leave this dog. I'd leave this dog on Thornton Road with a sign that says, take me home. But no, her owner's there. Oh, she cares now. Oh, what's wrong? I said, nothing. Nothing now. Perfectly fine. My heart's racing. Blood pressure's up. I'm mad at your mother. I'm mad at all. I don't like any of y'all right now. I should be home in bed. How was Waffle House? Dog's fine. Now out comes the vet. Long list of a chart. What's wrong with the dog? Well, I feel stupid now. I'm like, obviously nothing. Well, what happened? And I told her the story. They took him in. We can't find anything wrong. Check. Well, we did. We walk all around the parking lot. Now at 2.15 a.m. looking, and we find the little rubber ball he choked on. That is the best sermon I can give you on frustration. <laughs> you have your night planned. It's going to be peaceful. Everybody's fed at Waffle House. Alone with the Bible and a journal in bed with the smell of coffee in the kitchen. And then all hell breaks loose. That's the best way I can define frustration. I want to teach you how to overcome it. I hope it will help you. And if you don't know, I'll send you my dog. Here we go. <laughs> I want to teach you how to do it by faith. So here's what I've learned. Let me walk it out for you. I went back and remember I said, is there a way that whether it's a dog that's dying and you're irritated or a wreck or a phone call or a, oops, I forgot my keys or a whatever, a wife who won't answer the phone. It can be little stuff or big stuff. I think, this is just me, I think I found a common denominator that applies to all of us that I pray help you. I went back to the Bible to Eve. Here's what it says about her in Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, God said to the serpent, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here's what I know about this. It had to be frustrating to her because that one scripture that marked God's timing was 4,000 years. That's weird. Like my, my humanity says, why would God do this to her? 
Why would God say to this woman, your womb, the kid in your womb, the seed of your womb is going to destroy that serpent's head? OPS, that'll be 4,000 years, you'll never see it. Like, why would God do that to a human? Why would God give her a promise knowing that she would never experience the promise? Knowing she would die and never see it? But yet God would tell this woman, your womb will crush that serpent's head. However, just so I don't get too excited, that is going to be a 4,000 years before it ever happens. Now that has bothered me for years. I would assume in my natural thinking, why would God even tell her? It seems to get her hopes up for nothing. It seems to kind of dangle a carrot in front of her that's never going to happen. Why does God do this? And then it dawned on me, and here's what dawned on me. Perhaps when God spoke to her and said, your womb, your seed will destroy his head 4,000 years later, what if the eternal God was giving us a revelation that time is not about a watch, time is about a womb? I'll try to teach you what I mean by that. That God did not mark time on a clock like you and I, but God time-stamped a woman's womb that from a womb of a woman, we could deduce how God expects us to wait for his promises. Here's how I think I know that to be true. Because 4,000 years later, Mary shows up as the fulfillment of that original promise. Watch what it says about Mary. The angel said to her, don't be afraid Mary, Luke 1 verse 30, for you found favor with God and behold, you will conceive a child where? So God who is eternal over all took the word, the son and placed the son of God inside the womb of a woman so that I have Eve, your seed will crush his head 4,000 years later, I have Mary that out of Mary's womb comes the answer to the promise that was given. But it wasn't a watch and a watch. The answer was it was a womb of Eve and it was the womb of Mary that would fulfill this 4,000 years of how to wait. So here's what I want to teach you how to do this. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. Here's my thought. What could the womb of a woman teach me about the faith of waiting biblically? It's my belief. Here's what I believe. I believe the reason time is so frustrating for Christians is because we're all in the room bound to the clock. And when the clock's not in our favor, whether it be a football game, a trip, a waffle house, a sick dog, when time isn't in our favor, frustration rises. Now, I can either try to live this duality my whole life with the clock, me and the clock constantly shooting for timeouts, hold on, wait a minute, me trying to go around the wreck, me trying to make sure I've got triple keys and quadruple keys, me now knowing, and I do now, where every 24-hour vet is located. I can play that game. 
I can figure out where all my exits are and where I need to be and what time and avoid every wreck and take the long way around. I can juggle the whole time I'm on earth between my two little brackets of life, juggling time. Don't get too frustrated. Be a better Christian. Don't get too angry. Oh, watch out. I can, I can live that way. I don't think it's supposed to be that way. And I think when we stop looking at the time and we look at the womb of a woman, we can determine how God intended for us to wait. And this is my thinking. Here it is. For the righteousness of God, Romans 1.17, is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. Here's what I think that looks like. From the womb of Eve, from faith, to the womb of Mary, to faith. And from the womb of Eve, from faith, when the promise was given, to the womb of Mary, to faith, when the promise was fulfilled, I believe that we can look at what happens to a child being birthed in the womb of a woman that will show us exactly how we're to wait when time is not on our favor. I want to teach you how this looks. I'm not a expert OBGYN. I do live with all women and I've slept at Holiday Inn. My oldest daughter is a certified midwife, so I get a lot of information from her on birthing babies and what goes on in the womb. My wife has birthed four beautiful daughters, and she's made me, forced me, to be in there with her. I've been in there for the birth of all of them. And one thing I've learned is, what if this whole time the womb has been how God wanted us to learn to wait on him because here's the common denominator are you ready no matter how you deal with a dog or a wreck or Waffle House or the clock everybody in the room started in the womb it's the common denominator of all of us it doesn't matter if you cuss, throw things, shoot things. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal. It doesn't matter if you quote scripture, go to church or not. The common denominator, everybody started the same way in the womb. You got put in the womb and then you're birthed into humanity. And the moment you come out, a watch is on it. 8.32, he came out right there. Boom, 8.32. You're on the clock. But my belief is the reason many are frustrated is when we are birthed and we're constantly put on the clock. That nobody tells us that the reason God put us all in a womb to all be born the same way is because that little baby developing in the womb of a mother is such a profound revelation. It teaches us all how God intends us to wait on the promise. I'll teach it to you. The seed is formed. Oh, go back. Sorry. The seed is formed. Before you can ever have a baby, I know this is going to shock some of you, you got to have the sperm hook up with the egg. It, you're welcome. <laughs> I always get one good amen. Now, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. God, I just want to be pregnant. You pray that all day long. You're going to need a brother to help you out. You can't get pregnant on your own. It take, even if you're LGBTQ, and you hate men, literally despise them. Cannot stand men, they're gross. I just love women. I'm a woman. Guess what? Still got to have a brother. 
if you want a baby. You got to call on the phone. Look, I don't like y'all, but I need to borrow one of your swimmers so we can have children. So what we know is it doesn't matter if you're giddy wanting a baby, praying wanting a baby, wishing you could have a baby. Uh, all I know is to have a baby, a sperm has to hook up with an egg and begin to create something. There's a lot of you wanting something to happen, wishing and praying, but wishful praying is totally different than a hookup. Now, here's the deal about the womb. God made it so that the seed of a man and the egg and seed of a woman would connect. Now, the moment they connect, everything starts shifting. But here's what the Bible says about the seed. Look at this. Now, there is a parable, Jesus said, the seed is what? The seed is the Word of God. If you want to know step one in learning how to wait... And not be frustrated, you gotta connect up with the Word of God. You gotta just, and I can't tell you how many people show up and they're mad, irritated, aggravated, frustrated, and then I'll just commonly say, So, what scripture are you standing on? I don't know, I'm just telling you. And I'm like, Okay. So, basically, what you're telling me is you wanna be pregnant, but you don't wanna have a man. You want, you want a, the easy way. You have to have a seed of God's word in your heart for the thing to manifest. And do you know how many Christians, when they're in the middle of hell, frustrated, don't have a word of God, a scripture? It doesn't take chapters. It just takes a little bitty verse, one little word of God. This is what I'm holding on to. For me, when Robin got diagnosed with cancer, it was Ecclesiastes 3.11. God will make all things beautiful in his time. And I held on to it. And I wouldn't let go of it. And when the drains are coming out of her and she's had surgery and scars and chemo and hair falling out, I'm holding on, God, you make all things beautiful in your time. And she had her scripture, I'm holding on to, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And both of us united in the word of God. But what happened is we grabbed a seed before we had the frustration. And a lot of us are expecting great things. You have no seed. Yeah. It'll be no different than you sitting in my office going, I just want to be pregnant. Well, honey, you either got to have a boyfriend or a husband. If you do it with a boyfriend, it's not the will of God. If you do it with a husband, make sure you marry a good one. But you're not going to get it wishing. People feeling sorry for you. Well, I just want to be pregnant. Well, I feel so sorry for you. I hope you will. Okay, great. But you got to get out there and meet somebody. Or go down Fulton Industrial and hope for the best. <laughs> but just sitting around waiting, hoping. you got to have the Word of God. Amen. I mean, this don't... I mean, it may be funny, but the reality is it's no different than a woman wanting to be pregnant but no man. It's no different than a Christian wishing life went better but you got no Word. Amen. You're, you're just angry and mad and frustrated and ticked off at God. Well, open your Bible. It takes one word to create life. I don't know, biology 101, a lot of million little swimmers swimming. It takes one little bitty little tiny little swimmer. Can't even see it. You got to have a microscope to see the little thing swimming. But that little swimmer, 
swimming. He's like, what is that in my name? And that one little swimmer, you're the result. You're the result of a little swimmer. This body, this incredible, (laughs) was created by something you couldn't even see. And what's even weirder, I came out of her belly. (laughs) That woman right there just went, and I came out. That's, my, that's the womb of the woman that I sat in. I have no memory of it. I don't have a clue. I just know at 8.32 on April 23rd on Wednesday, I was popped out. And they time-stamped my name. And my dad is thankful because he didn't have to be part of the generation that went in. He sat out in the thing smoking a cigar. Let me know when he's out. I'm like, why can't I get that? I got to go in there and hold her. I got to go in there and encourage her. Here's the next thing I learned about birthing babies. The seed has to be planted. Once the sperm meets the egg, that thing is embedded into the uterus. And if it moves, it doesn't go well. It has to stay planted to grow. That little egg and sperm that is an embryo wedges itself up into the uterus of a woman and implants itself there and it doesn't move until it's ready to be birthed. And there's a lot of people who don't plant their life. They wander around like a a fertilized egg but can't wonder why nothing's ever happening because you don't grow if you don't plant. Here's a scripture to show you what I mean by that. But now God set the members, each one of them, in the body just that it pleased him. You want to learn how to wait, you better plug yourself into a group of other Christians. This is my belief. You don't have to believe this. I believe we've sold a bill of goods by telling people this is a church service. What I believe is the body of Christ is the womb where God plants us so we can grow. And then we get birthed out of those doors and we go out and we live for God. But how many people are frustrated because they don't plant themselves? As soon as they get mad, they leave. As soon as they get frustrated, they run around trying to find something. No. If the womb is the way I learn to wait, then I have to learn to stay planted even when I don't because in my planting, I'll grow. Here's the third thing. The seed is nourished. As soon as the little embryo begins to connect to the uterus wall and is fertilized in a weirdest of way, That thing connects to mama. And whatever mama eats, the baby eats. How do I know that's true? You just watch a pregnant woman go, I ate Mexican last night. Didn't agree with the baby. Because everything you eat, the baby eats. Here's what I know about this in studying it, reading the books that were given to me when Robin was pregnant. Everything mother thinks Everything mother says, everything mother watches, everything mother eats impacts that child. So that the womb is teaching me how to wait because God is like, boy, plant yourself and mark everything I think you need to think, everything I see you need to see it my way, 
Everything I say, you need to get in line with it. Because, son, what I'm trying to do is connect you up to me. I'm trying to nourish you in me. And you keep going out here to your habits and your addictions and all of your little Netflix binges and your little playlists. I'm telling you, son, you better connect up to me because it's what I... It's why Paul says this. He says, I pray that you fix your eyes in heaven. I pray that you set your sights on who he is, what he says about me. So when in the middle of frustration, I've got to connect up to I need to know who I am what he says about me what he thinks about me how he sees me and what he hears to tell me I need to hook up with that because there's a lot of us trying to be healthy but we're not connected to the right things you're listening to the wrong garbage you're watching the wrong stuff you're distracted on everything and if an enchilada can affect a baby in the womb, well, you better believe some weird show of Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix might have just a little bit. It might not go kill your kitty cat tomorrow, but it's not going to necessarily nourish you. Doesn't necessarily send you to hell either. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you going down I-20, losing your god-awful mind because you've not been nourished right. Honking at everybody, mad, giving everybody the middle finger, having to apologize to the kids because you're a jerk. You lost it again. Well, maybe all of that is just a sign that, well, you don't have the word in your heart. You're not planted your life anywhere growing. You're not being nourished. What do you expect? Here's the fourth one. They were connected to Christ. The head of the body and holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. And here it is, Colossians 2, 19. And grows as God nourishes it. You need to be nourished by God. Right. Word, prayer. Man, church, hanging out with him, worshiping. Here's the next one. Two more. No, go back. You were good. The seed grows. One thing I know is every bit of time passing will determine whether you're growing or dying. You let something happen where you're pressed by time and it will tell whether you're maturing or not. And some of us have been dealing with the same stuff for years. Now, if that little embryo hooks up to the uterus, connects to the mother's, being fed by the mother, nourished by the mother, but goes back to the doctor, that thing is expected to grow. Correct? Here's how I know. I follow some pregnant people. Not intentionally. They got pregnant as I followed them. Not by me, by the way. They got pregnant. Here's what they do. I just got back today. You know what? No. My daughter Sophia's pregnant now. Next grandbaby on the way. Hey, Dad. What, honey? Size of a grape today. Aw. Little Bonnie's the size of a grape. She goes about three, three weeks later. Guess what? What? Size of an apricot. Aw. Little Bonnie's an apricot. Then little Monty turns into a pear. Then little Monty gets the size of a little, little grapefruit. Just go follow a pregnant woman. They're constantly posting what size connected it to a fruit. And then about month eight, it's a watermelon. <laughs> says, oh. But by that time, they're tired. They don't want any other fruit. Oh, God, get the fruit out of here. Oh. But guess what? If the woman's belly isn't growing, something's wrong. I will say to you, if you're no further along this year than you were last year, something's wrong. If you're still losing your sanity 
Every time something doesn't go your way, something's wrong. You're just not growing up. You're still a baby. And it's no different than the seed is supposed to grow. What God is teaching me in the womb, growth is expected all the time. Final one. Here's the word of that one. Scripture. Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, we'll speak truth in love, growing every way more and more like Christ. And in the blue, so that the whole body's healthy and growing. God expects you to be healthy, expects you to grow. Here's the final one. Oh, Lord. The birth begins. This is where most people just lose it. Because this is where all the fun is worn off. You can't sleep on your stomach anymore. Go to the bathroom all the time. And then here comes the labor. And the labor is a weird thing because it's, it's pain that precedes the blessing. It's weird. It's a pain that's a good pain. It's a stretching. It's, I'll never forget when Robin goes, it's time. I, I won't belabor you with the stories of all her births, the four births. But I know one thing is that many people don't know how to endure pain to get what they really want. They check out. They just check out. I love the first child we had. I'm holding Robin's hand, and she's like, don't give me medicine. I'm like, I won't. I promise. And then she squeezes, give me medicine now. I'm like, you said not to. I need it now. I'm like, no, no. And then, then it ebbs, and I'm like, whew, whew, okay, okay. So do you want medicine or not? No, I don't want medicine. Don't you give me medicine no matter what I say. If I tell you I want medicine, you tell me no. Gotcha, gotcha. Here it comes. You ready for another? Oh, God. Oh, that hurts. Ow, you're squeezing too hard. Give me medicine. What? I thought you said no medicine. You're like, oh, medicine, Mark. Oh, no, you told me no medicine. I'm not giving you medicine. Give me medicine. No, you said no. It ebbs. Whew, okay, you want medicine? No, don't give me medicine. Whatever you do. Uh, what I know about birth, it's confusing. It's painful. You don't like it. It creates all kind of issues, but you got to go through it if you want to have a child. And I find a lot of people don't wait well because they hate the pain. They like everything to work now. So I, I wrote it out for you this way. If you want to know how to go from faith to faith, that is the common denominator for all of us in the room. You better get you a word. Better get you a word. If you think just emotions alone are going to do it, and you think you're going home to make coffee, and lo and behold, a dying German shepherd's waiting, you better get you a word. And after you get a word, you better plant your life in a body because you never know at 110 when you need a Jennifer Rothwell. You need somebody on your team, somebody that can pray you through. Somebody that can tell you where the 24-hour vet is. Somebody that's praying for you when nobody else is. Number three, you better stay well-nourished. Because in the middle of going 80 miles an hour down I-20, if God isn't in you, God isn't coming out of you. If the Holy Spirit isn't in you, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit isn't coming out. If the only thing in me is breaking bad, the only thing in me is coming out is breaking bad. You have to understand, if you want to wait well, if you want to endure well, you better make sure you have a word. You better make sure you have some people that in your community to stand with you and well-nourished. But if you want to go on to faith, here's what's required. You're going to have to learn how to grow. 
I'm not here to judge you. I don't follow you, don't know what you are, but I can simply tell you, if you're no different this year than you were last year, if it's the same weaknesses, problems, the same flesh, you just need to look in the mirror and maybe go, something's wrong. My attitude hasn't changed. My irritations haven't changed. Nothing about me has changed. Then maybe if I'm not growing, I'm sick. The next one is this. You've got to learn to endure through the pain. Don't you tap out. So what if life gets hard? So what if it's a wreck on I-20? Find ways to rejoice. The kids are in the car. Put on some music. Enjoy each other. So what if you got to take the car keys? It's a daughter. She's happy. She loves the Lord. She's healthy. Go take her the car keys and quit whining. So what if the dog is sick? It might not even be your dog, but by God, I'm going to serve other people. Put it in my truck. Mess my truck up. I don't care. I love my daughter, and I'll do anything she wants me to do to serve her, anything she needs out of me. It's not, even though I've got all that going on, I need to know Mark Evans better keep his stuff together in the middle of the pain because I have children that are watching me. I have a father that is watching me from heaven. I have a testimony to live. And in the middle of my frustration, I better let all that stuff that I've been putting in come up. All the words, all the prayers, all the things in the middle of the pain. Or otherwise, I'm going to be going, Robin, I'm sorry. I did it. I know. I did it again. Oh, Victoria Kate, I'm sorry dad lost it and cussed you. Oh, I'm sorry that I gave the police the middle finger when I went by. Jesus. Like, that's how most people live. Just constantly apologizing for their jerkiness because they don't know how to endure when things go bad. Reason is, is because they're not growing. Reason is, they're not nourished. Reason is, there's nobody in the body challenging. Reason is, the last time they read their Bible was Christmas. And then the final is this. Wait in expectation. I don't always know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to wait miserable. I'm going to wait, meaning all things turn out to my good. So I pull up to the vet. Here's the conversation with the vet. Yes, Mr. Evans, you can bring Samson on in. We'll be here. Thank you. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Mr. Evans, yes, we just want you to know that there is a $175 initial fee right when you get here. Yeah, okay, whatever it costs, I'm good. It doesn't matter. Well, and if we need to do more, there's more fees on top of that, too, if we need to do x-rays and all. I'm like, yeah, okay, we can kill him. We'll just move on. All right, goodbye. (laughs) And I hang up. I don't really care. I'm in a crisis. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to save this dog. I get there. I maintain my cool. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I lay hands on my dog. And I'm like, Samson, I command you to live and not die. Just don't die in my truck. Jesus' name, live outside of my truck. We go, we drop the dog, they take him, they bring him out. I don't know. I'm not in the vet world. I just know this doesn't happen often. They bring the dog out, Mr. Evans, the dog's fine. We check the dog out, everything's good. It's 2.37 in the morning. I said, well, let me run in and let me go pay. She said, oh, don't worry about it. You don't owe us anything. (laughs) Hey. Like you don't even spirit filled You are now It's like oh glory to God Even my daughter's like well praise God I'm like you weren't even going to pay for it anyway What are you praising God for I'm the one that brought the dog I'm the one that was going to And she's over there just praise the Lord Right Well the beautiful thing is You don't always know the favor of God That's waiting on you Here's what Mark Evans knows I've been in the womb so long, I don't care if I'm late on I-20, crash on I-20. I don't care if I'm going to the vet. It's 2 a.m. Here's what I always know. 
I got favor. I got favor. Favor's mine on everything. Because when I'm waiting, I'm expecting. I got favor. Favor. And it's weird. I've learned to live rather than waiting on frustration. I wait on favor. It doesn't always get there quickly. But if I'll just stay in the game, it'll get there. I hope that helped you. Let me pray for you. Why don't you stand up with me if you will and let me bless you.